Good morning, everybody. Again, good to see you guys. Um, I'm putting him on a spot here, but uh, let's keep my brother in prayer, Will, affectionately known as William to me. Uh, but he's going to be gone for the next two weeks. Uh, as, as you guys know, some of you guys may know, his job takes him out of town. Uh, I guess the last eight months it's been local where he can come back on the weekends, but now it's going to be a little further away. North, Car- North Carolina. So he's going to North Carolina, for, so we won't see him for two Sundays. Uh, he will be doing his Sunday school homework. I'll be checking in on him, making sure he's doing that work. But uh, let's just, a uh, moment of prayer, ask God his traveling mercies. He's going to be heading right out up to Allentown Airport and flying out. Uh, so let's just pray. Father, thank you for Will. I thank you, God, for uh, the provision you've given through this job. And, uh, and even though it's a challenge at times to just be gone, for long periods of time, uh, Father, this is the place you have him right now, and uh, we thank you, and we pray, God, for his traveling uh, mercies, God. I pray for traveling safety for him that he might be able to connect with the flights, and Lord, that you would just use him as he's in this shop for the next two weeks. Uh, God, may he just proclaim Jesus Christ. Uh, may they see Christ in him, Lord. Uh, Father, we know in your sovereignty this is more than just him going on a, a, a job, Lord, uh, you, you have mission, assignment for him. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide him, give him the right words to say, even in that short time that he'll be there. Lord, may he be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you, and uh, we bless your name. In Christ's name, amen. All right. So, guys, as we continue in the purpose of the church, um, I, I hope you're beginning to sense and see the importance of the church. One, that it's this is God's design. This is not just a cultural thing. We're not just gathering to worship because it's culturally what people do. Uh, this is God's design. And so if God's design is in this, then we have to look and see why. Why does he have us gathering? What, what does God want us to get out of this? And we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, well, one, it's his dwelling place. And that's no small thing. The fact that God dwells among true believers in a unique way that's different than that individual indwelling. We're all indwelt with the Holy Spirit if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the temple of God. You as an individual. God's presence is always with you. Absolutely. But it's interesting when he talks about the church coming together, that there's a special dwelling that God does among his people. And that should have an effect on our attitude and even coming each week. It's not, oh, I got to go to church. No, it's, no, I'm coming because God's presence is dwelling in a unique way. Amen? And so we talked about some of the truths from last time. Let's just go through these as a reminder real quick, and then we're going to continue on. Um, What is it about his dwelling? Well, God's holiness is priority. His holiness is priority. and, And we looked at that in the Old Testament and just how the temple was arranged and all the things that happened 
Why? To teach the people, I am holy. Now, praise God, we don't come into his presence with, with this sense of dread, we're going to be judged for our sins. No. Christ died once for all of us. But that doesn't take this idea of, I'm coming in the presence of a holy God. Should that inform my mindset? Absolutely. We also talked about that God's desire to dwell among his people when he tabernacled among the people. He desires to be among his people in a special, unique way when we gather like this. We talked about that God takes sin seriously. And again, we saw that in the tabernacle and the high priest having to go in and make the sacrifices, right? And again, we rejoice because we don't have to go to a priest. <laughs> Jesus is already interceding on your behalf because it's already been paid. Praise God. So we see there's, there's definitely differences for us than even the people of Israel when they were interacting with God in the tabernacle. We see that God provided the means in which man could interact with him, and that's Jesus Christ. So you and I are now the dwelling place of God. So as we continue with this thought of God's dwelling place, I want to transition into getting to the, all right, we got to God's dwelling place part. We see that he's here. Now, what is it that you and I should be doing? I mean, do we just come and experience his dwelling and that's it? Well, no, that's part of it. That's the beginning, <laughs> right? That's the beginning. But now we're going to see as we keep talking about the purpose of the church, so what does God require of you as being part of his church? As Peter says, each of you are a living stone. And collective, collectively, we what? We make up the building, the tabernacle that God dwells in. For what reason? To just sit, as Pastor Emmanuel was saying. No, it's not just to sit and consume. It's to partake of. So we're going to start transitioning from, okay, I know this is his place where he dwells uniquely. It ought to inform the way I worship. It ought to inform my whole attitude about coming to church because his presence is here. But now that we're here, what would he have us to do? Amen. So, Father, we pray that you would open up our eyes as we look at your word together. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you are among us, Father that it brings you pleasure to dwell among us. And so open up our eyes to the truths that you have for us this morning. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So again, I'm going to skip ahead here, uh, Sarah, to the church is God's dwelling place, uh, where that slide is right there. Thank you. So hope, that's, that's you. That's you, not, not like the hope in the Bible. We're talking about you, hope, okay? Hope is a local dwelling place where God has chosen to be present in a unique way. We've already established that. Amen? In him, Ephesians 2.22 says, you also are being built together. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. Into a what? Dwelling place. There it is. For God by the Spirit. So just as those first century believers 
in the church of Ephesus, Paul says, God is bringing you guys. He has brought you guys together, right? And, and what is he doing? He's building you guys together. And for what purpose? To be a dwelling place of God. Man, what a privilege. What a privilege. The church is God's dwelling place. So again, our attitude in coming into God's presence should be one of eagerness, reverence, humility, and praise. Think about that. If you really believe with all of your being, that when you come and gather together as hope, that God is here, shouldn't this be our response mentally? Like, I'm going into the house of the Lord with other saints, and God said, I'm going to meet you all there in a special way. Wow. And as I said, that's what gets me out of bed. Man, it was hard to get out of bed this morning. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Friday night. It must have been Friday night. And it was like, oh, my goodness, God's dwelling place, God's dwelling place. God's going to be there. God's going to be there. God. You got to like, right? But it, but it ought to invoke an eagerness. I can't wait to get with God's people. Like Monique was saying, you know, you get to Friday. And Friday wasn't even church, per se, but just being around God's people. It does something. Because we're all these little individual t temples where God is dwelling in us. Then we all come together. You say, man, I'm feeling pretty good now. Now, now that I'm here and you all miss, I'm, that's how God works. And this is the idea. And this is why it's so important for us to gather as often as we can gather. It's not just about legalism or all we got. No. I want to feel God's presence. And you're part of that. You're part of that. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So no doubt, one of the things we do when we come is we praise God. You cannot come into God's presence. Or maybe I should say it this way. How can you come into God's presence and just be like, yeah, Lord's here. You know, it's kind of like being at a wedding. And if you've ever been at a wedding, everybody is talking, talking. Hey, Mr. Franklin, Mr. Franklin. And all of a sudden, when they hear the music play, what happens? Oh. And then the processional starts. And the bridesmaids are coming in one by one. Oh, it's beautiful. All of those flowers. Uh, right? And then the little you know, flower girl and the ring, and everybody's just taking pictures, and they just chatter, and everybody's laughing. But then, there's the bride. And then you hear that music, canon and boots, that's what everybody sings in the house, the canon and boots. Nobody does this traditional, dun, 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 that's gone. It's canon and D. I'm not going to touch it. But as soon as they hear that, what does everybody do? There's no chatter. And then as she comes walking down the aisle, there's her friends like, oh, wow, right? How much more when we come in the presence of God? How much more? And I know sometimes it's so hard because, you know, well, 
when you're at a wedding, you see the bride. You see the beauty. I get it, right? But when we come here, God is a spirit. And he dwells among us in spirit, right? And so sometimes it's hard. And this is why it, it becomes a challenge. you you got to turn your affections to him. I get it. It's hard. Be awesome if, like back in the Old Testament, we could be outside the tabernacle and see that, that fire come down. And, that, and be like, whoa, that doesn't happen. But you know what? We're not missing out. We have God's spirit in here. And, and, and so it becomes a, 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 a thing where I got to set my mind and my affections on who God is so that I can feel that sense of, wow. How do you do that? You got to be in his word. <laughs> you got to be in his word to see who God says he is. So even though we don't see him, we still come in and we enter his gates with praise and thanksgiving and we bless his name. God's presence. Psalm 96, 8 to 9. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Amen? Do we, this is the same God. This is the same God that the psalm writer is writing about how we ought to respond. We serve that same God. Our praise and our affection should be no less than what the psalm writer says here. So when we come together as hope, we're coming in the midst of his presence. And it also invoked this praise. He's our dwelling place. Psalm 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. When we come recognizing he's dwelling among us, now that we know he's dwelling among us, among us are we ascribing to him the praise that is due his name? When the bride begins to enter in, you don't see anybody going like this. Oh, yeah, no, I see her. Hold on. Yeah, yeah no, I'm at a wedding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No! You don't see people having side conversations irrelevant to what's happening. When the bride is among them, all eyes are fixed. That's the attitude we got to have when we come together. When we realize that I'm about to walk into this gathering with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and God says, I dwell in a unique way. That should start changing everything about us when we walk in here. Does that make sense? And again, I told you last week that God's been convicting me about this because it's so easy just to come in. And it's, it's, just, it's just a building. It's a, it's a music stand. It's a microphone. It's, it's drums. It's keyboards. It's, and and we, get, we get stuck on the mundane stuff but we're forgetting about what this is about. God is among us. Years ago, when I used to be in a gospel group, and we would do concerts in these churches in Philly, and we walked into one of these churches we were doing a concert at, and, uh, you know, Deacon let us in. Oh, yeah, sanctuary's right over there. 
So we go and we're setting up, and you know, we had all this equipment, drums and mic, all this stuff to set up. So I figured we're doing a concert. We're going to set up up front. That's where it, it's a concert. So we walk up to the front, come up on stage, and there's the pulpit and chairs and everything, and we're just setting up our stuff. And I did notice something that should have been a cue. Everything was covered in white sheets. All the chairs were covered in white sheets. Everything. It's like the pulpit was a normal pulpit. But I'm just like, you know, we're just moving stuff. And say, okay. And all of a sudden from the back, what are you doing? And I stopped and looked. And I looked at Jay Bird, who was he's a keyboardist. I said, Jay Bird, what you talking to me for? And we learned it was the mother of the church. You don't mess with them. You know, the ones that wear the big hats on Sunday. <laughs> she came walking down. Get your equipment off of the platform. You know, we're, 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 we're everlasting praise. We're the God. I know who you are. Get that off the platform. What do you think the next thing she said? That is holy. Now, again, I'm young and dumb and So I looked, <laughs> I looked at the chair, I said, this is holy? And Jay Bird said, Ron, Ron, come on, just move this up. I said, no, she said this is holy. What, what, what you mean? Is it? Okay, I'll put this stand down, but what you mean this is holy? And she stood there and watched as we moved everything up. Now, that's a picture of what, though? I, I look back and I think about that and say, but what does she recognize? What does she recognize? You don't just come walking up where, where the word of God preached any kind of way. You don't just come and start moving stuff. Now, she might have been putting a little too much into the furniture, but she had the right idea. She had the right mindset. Do we have that mindset? It's not about worshiping the furniture. It's about this is where God is. This is the mindset that we have to have. So it doesn't matter if we meet here. It doesn't matter if we meet in somebody's home. If we don't get the, the, the heat thing, that's okay. I mean, God, God, that doesn't change the church. We're the church. Uh, Lord, I want the heat. I'm, I'm not <laughs> you meet in Emmanuel's basement, right? It's where the people are gathered. God's presence is gathered. And we have a privilege every time we come together to just realize I'm going to dwell with fellow saints of God God, you are going to be there in a unique way. That's what gets me through the day. So we got to have the right expectation. We talk about the dwelling place of God among us. Coming into the presence of God is first and foremost about expectation. It saddens me every time I hear people say, oh, I didn't get anything out of church. I didn't get I ask people in, in, in the hallways of a Christian school, hey, how was church? Oh, it was okay. I didn't. Something's wrong. How can you be in the presence of God and not get everything out of you? Something's wrong. Well, if your focus is not on him and it's on you, that's probably the problem. First and foremost, it is about his glory. Give to God the glory that is due 
his name. Now, here's the beautiful thing that happens. Here's the beautiful thing that happens. When I come in, not focused on me, not focused on what am I going to get out of this. No, no, no. But I'm focusing on him, God of all creation, sovereign God, whose mercy endures forever, who sent his son Jesus Christ. Right? All of those, I come in and I'm just, I'm ready to praise him. First and foremost. But you know what often happens? There's benefit to that to you. <laughs> you see the difference? But the focus isn't me. But how can you be in the presence of God and it not benefit you personally? And maybe that's God just changing your perspective, which he will do. You know, so many times when we're going through something difficult and we're praying, we're looking for a breakthrough. Let me tell you where the breakthrough is. Come in and give God the glory due his name. There's the breakthrough. But, but, but my situation didn't change. But your perspective changed. When you've been in God's presence, he gives you the strength for the battle. Just by being in his presence. You walk right back into the same trial Monday morning, but you're different because you've been in his presence. We can't switch that order. We can't make it be, well, I, I need, no, no, it's not about us. It's about him. I'm going to praise him. And then I'm going to walk out of here and now being enamored with God. Watch how he starts giving you wisdom, strength, endurance, Patience, long-suffering. That's the beauty of being in his presence. But we need to take the attention off of what am I going to get out of this. But no, it needs to be God is first and foremost about your glory. And guys, listen, this is, this is an attitude that we have to cultivate. This is hard to do. Trust me. I'm in the same flesh like you are. We have this battle against our flesh, against what we don't want to do, our emotions, our fear. Imagine how much easier your life would be if you didn't have any emotions. <laughs> right? You didn't have any emotions. But the problem is what? You would be what? You'd just be like, mm. you just won $10 million. Mm. Like, you couldn't enjoy anything. Right? Yeah, you might not feel any suffering or anxiety or depression or frustration, but you wouldn't feel any joy either, right? So we have to cultivate this mindset. It's hard. And, and how do we cultivate the right attitude when we're in his presence? You got to meditate on who God is. Guys, you have to meditate on who he is. And again, not just while you're sitting in here. That's why, like, in the beginning where we just have that quiet time. Have that quiet time even before we start praying and readjust your thinking. Man, I don't know about you, but it takes me a little bit to just, like, go inside this mind and start shutting down stuff. It's like I'm shutting down all the main work, job, this, men's retreat coming up. You haven't even started it yet. This, this, all kinds of stuff, right? Oh, Monique wants you to answer that text. Oh, this, this, and it's just like, shut all that off, shut it off, shut it off heart and 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 what i do when i come in i just start thinking about the psalms thinking about the psalms that talk about god who he is guys you got to cultivate this that's the battle don't give in to being tired 
Don't get, man, if, if you're going to wait until you feel like praising God, forget it. Anybody feel like they're just tired all the time? <laughs> right? Right? So, so, so you can't wait until I feel energized. But a, a funny thing happens. When I praise God, despite how I feel, I get strength. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't let your flesh dictate your commitment to a holy God. And I know it's hard. We live in the same world. But cultivate this. Meditate on what God has done. Yeah, but I'm waiting for things and God hasn't. And God hasn't. And this thing is just for, okay, all right, hold on. Look at all that he has done. Look at all that he has done. You know, the Bible says a lot about gratefulness. We need to practice being grateful. You know what gratefulness will do? It'll sustain you when you're in the dry land. Gratefulness will sustain you when it looks like nothing's changing. Right? Because the psalmist oftentimes will say, where are you, God? When will you deliver? When will you do this? But then the psalmist oftentimes will do what? But then I remembered. And he starts to recount all the things that Jehovah did. And that became his strength. That became his sustenance. Guys, I know this is hard to do because we're fighting against our flesh, but we have to cultivate the right attitude in his presence. We have to meditate on who God is. We have to meditate on what God has done. And I tell people, you know what? Oftentimes, if, if, if you're in a place where you're just, you're so consumed with whatever trial it is in your life, and that'll happen sometimes, where, where you want to, you, you want to not have this trial consume you. I get it. But it's right in your face every day. And it seems like it's snuffing out your joy. And even when I think about the things that God has done, Ron, I'm still just like, right? Well, listen, then don't just look at the things that God has done. Take it further back. Go back to the cross. Go back to Calvary's cross. Go back to what happened on the cross. And remind yourself that no matter what's going on in your life, your greatest need has already been taken care of. All these things you're waiting for God to answer, and whether it's healing or open up an opportunity, Lord, all of that pales in comparison to what happened on the cross. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Take joy in that. Not these momentary earthly trials. I will have so much joy if God would just do this. Don't believe that lie. Take joy in what God has already done through Jesus Christ. We should have an expectation when we are in God's presence. Look at Psalm 16, It says, you make me, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Now, I believe that there is a fuller fulfillment of this, obviously, when we see God, right? We're going to be everlasting joy. But I believe that when God's people come together and God's presence is among, dwelling among his people, we can get a taste of that. I believe you can come in here totally consumed with all that's going on in your life. And because you have that mindset that's turned to God, you walk out with joy.
and not one thing has changed in your circumstances. That's what the believer has through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And it happens when we dwell together. We should have a serious examination of our hearts as we come into the presence of God. Again, if I understand I'm coming into his presence every Sunday morning as I gather with God's people, knowing that God's going to dwell in a unique and special way, right away it, it should have me looking at my heart. You don't walk into a wedding any kind of way. Right? <laughs> you come to a wedding and everybody's dressed up. Now, analogy falls apart because, you know, the young people today, flip-flops, jeans, you know, weddings are starting to become more casual. But when you come to a wedding, all of a sudden, you're double-checking yourself in the mirror, making sure your ties look perfectly, right? Why? Because I'm going into a wedding. I'm going into a wedding. How much more when we come into the presence of God? Should we say, oh, Lord, I just want to examine my heart, Lord? Before I offer up these praises to you, God, forgive me. I lost my attitude this week, Lord. I didn't represent you well in that situation, Lord. Forgive me for that doubt that I had, Father. Forgive me, Lord. Like, just, or, like, don't, it's not about condemning. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But we are to keep confessing our sins to God. And when I know I'm coming into the presence of God weekly with other believers, I ought to just be examining myself. I'm about to walk in the presence of my God and Savior. Oh, Lord, forgive me for these things. That ought to be our attitude. I remember years ago, I used to lead music at a church. And they had a broadcast, and, you know, you get up there, and all the lights and cameras, and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, that drew me crazy. But I remember one time on the way to church, kids were small. Monique and I got into a pretty bad argument. No matter who was right, who was wrong. She realized what she did. Um, <laughs> So we, 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 <laughs> we, just are, and, and, and I'm running late, I'm running late, I'm running late, because the broadcast, the broadcast, and, and, and if you delay the broadcast, the wrath of God comes from the sound room, guys. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and I'm speeding, and she's like, but you shouldn't, have, honey, you, and we're just back and forth, back and forth, all the way till we got to the parking lot. And I remember, I put the car in at park, and I jumped, I didn't even help her with the kids, and they were little at this time. They're, they were small, you know, like. I don't know, eight, six, four, two. I mean, it, and she was like, oh, you're not going to help me? And I, boom, didn't even answer. Just went in. My justification? Broadcast is about to start in five minutes. I said, I don't have time for this. Run out of my office real quick. And sure enough, like bees, the sound room people. There he is. Pastor Ron, here's your mic. Here. And they put in the mic on, and I'm going, all right, all right, all right. Now remember, listen, we're not going to do that announcement. Make sure at 9.06 you do all, you know, it was like a production. I get up, and I'm looking at the countdown clock, three, two, one. Welcome to the Voice of Faith. We're so glad to have you guys here today. We want to worship the Lord God with all that is with it. I said, hold on. And you should have seen the look on everybody. Like, everybody's, and they're like, whoa, 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 what is he doing? I said, hold up. I said, stop playing. I said, I'm not going to stand up here and say, let's go worship the God. And, and I shared exactly what happened. And Monique and I just got into a few go. I need to get my heart right before we go. And I mean, people are like, oh, my God, what's he doing? What's he doing? 
dead broken. <laughs> you know, because I, I understood this. Like, in the midst of that argument, I didn't understand humility. But you know what I understood standing up about to lead God's people in worship? God, don't play those games. Put your hands down, God. Get it right. Get it right with your wife. You know, if we're going to come into God's presence, maybe we're not feeling his presence because we're not getting stuff taken care of, stuff we know we're doing. God is not just going to like, oh, but you're in church now. I'm going to come and you're going to feel my presence and my joy and all with all of this stuff going on in your life that's not pleasing to me. Now, again, I'm not saying that to condemn us because we're not condemned. We're in Christ. Amen. But as I'm walking and living this life, I ought to keep examining myself and saying, Lord, I'm about to come in your presence in a beautiful, unique way. Cleanse me. Forgive me for my attitude. Help me, Lord. And guess what? When you do that, you you experience something differently than if you don't do that. So we should have a serious examination of our hearts as we come into the presence of God. Look at the next verse here. What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Look at, look, look at what Paul says. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And then he gives this sober warning. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. Folks, listen. In the context there, Paul is dealing with what's going on in that church, in that temple. And there's all kinds of things going on with the idolatry worship and fornication, all these things going on. He says, wait, what are you doing? We're not like those pagan temples out there where their life is all immoral and they have no fear of God. Don't you know that you are the temple of God? What is he exhorting? to be one of purity, ought to be one of obedience to God. Don't you understand God is dwelling among you? You see, it's a mindset that some of these Christian believers lost to the point where Paul had to write them earlier and say, you got a man among you caught up in all kinds of fornication and you won't do anything about it. Cast him out among you. Why? Because God's serious about his temple. His temple should be holy and pure. Now, again, we have that righteousness in what Jesus did. But as I'm living my life day to day, when I fall into temptation or give into it, I need to confess it and put it out of my life. And then we come into his presence and we experience his presence. So the purpose of the church, it's a dwelling place of God. It's, it is where we experience the presence of God in community, and that's special. And it's where we need or should be affected in love and devotion to God and to others. All of that should happen. Look, how can I come in God's presence with you and not be affected in how I treat you? 
Amen? So it has all of these effects where we focus on him, but I'm in his presence. I first examine myself, I praise him, and that affects how I treat you, who are also part of the temple. It's a beautiful thing. I've never seen any arguments at a wedding. I'm sure there have been. Everybody's cheerful. Everybody's having a good time. Why? Because everybody's celebrating who? The bride and the groom. Right? Everybody's enjoy. Oh, look, there they are. There they are. They're coming around to the table. Hey, thank you for coming. Oh, don't they look? Like everybody, everybody, and, and everybody's joyful with everybody. Why? Because we're celebrating the bride and groom. How much more when we come together as hope and God dwells among us? Should it affect the way that we treat one another? Amen? The purpose of the church is God's dwelling place. Now let me begin to transition into this, and we're just going to start it, but obviously we're not going to finish it. One of the other purposes of the church, though, aside from the dwelling place of God, which is foundational, is the edification of each other. God has us here to edify one another. Look at Ephesians 4, 11, 14. And this will be foundational verse for, for now beginning to unpack what this edification is all about. And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, this is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Amen? Again, we're, we're, we're going to unpack this in the weeks coming by God's grace. But he's saying what? Essentially, God... Jesus Christ gave us gifts for what purpose? For the work of the ministry and for building one another up. Well, how long am I supposed to be using this gift? Look at verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. How long should I be using these gifts? And we'll unpack what all that means and looks like. But how long should I be doing this? Until Christ returns. Because <laughs> none of us are ever going to arrive. So there is this process of continually building up the body of Christ. And in the context here, he's talking about the local body, the local church at Ephesus, the local church in Allentown. Hope. All of us have been given a gift that ought to be being used to build us up and equipping us, making us fit for the work of ministry. Amen? That means nobody, nada, one, that's Spanish, right? Nada should be sitting and not participating. Ooh. Well, I, 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 you know, I just, you know, I got, I got stuff to do. And, uh, 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 just, let's just look at what God said giving you a gift to use for 
the body of Christ. It's not an option. Amen? Now, by God's grace, we're going to unpack what that looks like. What are these gifts? How do I know what my gift is? Very fair question. But let's just start with the mandate that Scripture gives. That God has given us these gifts for the work of the ministry, for building up the body. Look, he goes on in verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. He's tying your gifts to your growth in Christ. This is why we're all essential, guys. What's that term you heard during COVID? Essential workers. You are essential workers in the kingdom of God. You are essential to hope where God's dwelling is and building up this body for the work of the ministry and growing in your walk with Jesus. Every one of you have something to play in that. Let let that rest and think. Just think about that. You mean there's something that God has given me that will help Darian grow in his faith? Yes. Wow. There's something God has given Darian that will spur me on in my faith and my growth in Christ? Yes. Wow. Now, some of you might say, I, I don't want that responsibility. That's okay. You don't have to want it. It's yours. <laughs> you don't have to desire it. It's your responsibility. But, guys, do you feel the weight of that? Do you feel like when Pastor Emmanuel talks about, like, hey, we're a family. See, now we're getting to what he means by, like, we're a family. Come on. One's here and one's here. No. We are one. We are one in Christ. And God, in his sovereignty, has brought this group together and says, now I've equipped you, build one another up in the faith. Wow. And nobody is exempt from that. So, 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 so watch this. That means that our growth in our faith, that means that our growth in the Lord is directly affected by the interaction or lack of interaction by God's people. Wow. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him, into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint that you, with which it is equipped, a beautiful picture. We're the body and we all, every joint, each of you are significant. Let me ask you a question. Which physical joint of your physical body don't you need? Matter of fact, when the joint in your body is not functioning right, you feel it. It limits what you can do. Are you seeing the analogy here? When all of us are not functioning as God has equipped us. Now, again, we we'll won't back. As God has equipped, as God has equipped you, 
when we're not functioning as God has equipped, you're part of that joint in the body that is now not functioning properly, which means what? The whole body is affected. Do you see how valuable you are to the body of Christ? Wow. That's why later on, when we get into the Corinthians passage where he talks about don't let the eye say I have no use of you. The head say I want to be a foot. Hand, I want to be. No, no, no. We all have our place. And there is no gift that is greater than any other. Because they all come from the spirit of God. Amen. Oh, hope if we could grab this. Notice he goes on and says from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, here it is again, is working properly, each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Woo, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. We're going to start unpacking that. But suffice it to say this as we get ready to wrap up for today. After you feel the weight of understanding that when we gather, we are gathering and God's presence is among us in a unique and special way. We, 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 we feel the weight of that. But now as we're in his presence, we've already laid out, we need to now what? Praise him. Give him the praise, right? Now we're moving into, well, what else are we to do? Now we're moving into equip. Equip. The body with your gift. Build up the body with your gift. It's a beautiful picture of the church. Go back to the tabernacle. Remember, go back to the tabernacle, right? It wasn't just about God's glory. It certainly was primarily, but people had stuff to do too. People had stuff that they had to do outside of the tabernacle, inside the tabernacle. There were things, there were maintenance that they had to do with where the glory of God dwelt. Now the glory of God is in us. And there's things that we need to do in his temple. It's a beautiful picture. Again, God doing what he started from creation. His first tabernacle being the Garden of Eden. And looking at Adam and saying, my presence is here. I will walk with you. Just to walk with him? No. Till tend the garden. There's work to do. Beautiful picture. All throughout scripture. So as we wrap up, the purpose of the church, we're going to begin to see, is the edification of one another. Every believer has a specific gift to be used in building up the body of Christ and in doing the work of the ministry. You may not know what it is. Amen. We'll get there. This gifting is to be used until Christ returns. God is constantly going to be building up his body. This gifting protects God's people from false doctrines and practices. Wow. Did you notice that in the Ephesians context, he said so that you won't be carried away by false doctrine? Look at, look at the, the importance of the body, of us to guard and protect one another. And then this gifting enables us to become more like Jesus Christ. I trust and pray that you see what I'm saying. 
not only the importance, but the privilege of how God is working. That he dwells among us, he's gifted us to build one another up in the faith and to guard and protect his sheep. That's exciting. That makes coming to church exciting. Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you dwell among us because of Christ. Oh, God, it's because of his blood that we can even stand in your presence. It's because of his blood and resurrection that you even dwell among us. And God, the spirit inside of us cries out, Abba, Father, we don't fear you as a judge, but you are our Abba, Father, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, we bless your name. And oh God, we want to be a people that you've called us to be. Oh God, hope wants to use our giftedness and equipping for the ministry and building each other up. God, we want to be what you've called us to be. Oh God, we just don't want to come and just be in your presence and have nothing happen. So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us, Lord, of these truths. Oh, God, show us where our mindset needs to change. Lord, give us, give us the courage to, to walk in faith according to your word and what you've said, to begin seeking our, our, our spiritual gifts that you've given us so that we might use them for your glory in this local body. Oh, God, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that we can be in your presence today. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you for your word that constantly renews our minds and makes us more like Jesus Christ. So, Father, work in all of our hearts, we pray in Christ's name.